Hey everybody, in today's episode, Jesse and I talked about IAAF's new directives around Olympic standards and the ranking procedures. We also talked about his training going into Boston and my training or lack thereof going into Boston. And we wrapped it up with a little discussion about New Mexico United's home opener and the first professional USL soccer team in Albuquerque. Hope you enjoy it. So the uh, hot topic in the running world this week is, um, you know, the, the IAAF and changes that were made at their kind of annual meeting. So I think let's start with the, the change standards. So I think that the ones that came um, or popped out to me at first were the, the 10,000, the marathon. I think the, the men's 10,000 standards now at 27.28. The women's is at 31.25 and the marathons are at... 211.30 and 229.30 respectively, uh, which I think is an eye grabber for everyone, uh, just kind of right off the bat when, when some of those, um, especially the 10,000 on both sides, we haven't had a lot of people hit those times the last couple of years from the U.S. And uh, I guess when you first saw it uh, Monday morning or Tuesday, whenever it was, what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, so looking at those standards is pretty insane to see. Um, if that was it, clear, 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 cut, and dry, that would definitely be a, a ball buster for a lot of the Americans. But looking into it a little bit about the rankings and how it's set up and how it's possible where you get more points at the uh, your own national championship, um, it seems to be... It puts a little twist to it. Um, uh, yeah, like last year I was looking at it, the 10k i think we only had two guys under 20 under 28 yeah uh, one was a previous guest yeah, garrett <laughs> yeah garrett um but yeah so it, it definitely puts a weight onto going to the olympic trials and not running a tactical race but running a solid effort and placing in that top six i believe is is what what i was reading that gives you some of the points um as a world rank um but yeah otherwise outside from that with the road race road races and the marathon at 211 and 228 30 um that's that's gonna be really challenging for a lot of these american guys that and women to go for uh the women seem to be in a better spot they seem to be more competitive and can hit right the mid mid 220s um, but on the men's side it's going to be a little more challenging guys are going to have to think about whether to get a big paycheck and go to a hilly course like new york or boston or chase the time exactly. and go to a fast course yeah, so I, it is interesting. Um, as you alluded to, it's not just the time standard. Obviously, there are, there are rankings, but um, you know the rankings is a bit nebulous at the moment and trying to figure those out. You know, there's a time factor and then the place factor, as you talked about. And so um, I feel like going into the trials and something like the marathon, where you don't race that often, uh, you know, it, it'll be really hard to understand. Okay, maybe. In these rankings, uh, I'll end up in the top three when you filter out, or top three for the U.S. when you filter out everyone from all the other countries that are in front of me because they can only have three person, three people per country as well. And so you you might finish and knowing that result could be one of your two results, and then how's that going to change my my overall ranking? How's that going to stack up against everyone else? So it's not you know this clear cut thing of just top three with a, a, a standard that's you know usually easily maintainable by most u.s runners um and and so i do think that 
and the marathon specifically, people will have to think a little bit more about, even though there's some weight on those world majors in the U.S., you know, that's where they get their big paydays. Are they going to have to go chase fast time because some of the mid-tier elite guys are going and chasing fast times uh, in, in London and Tokyo because they're not going to get those big appearance fees that really the top-level guys will get. Yeah, it's gonna, it'll be interesting to see. And then, of course, come down to the 5K or 10K and how, how well of a racer you are, how well you can maybe get those points. Um, yeah, and uh, I think in addition to, you know, I guess taking a step back, just thinking of why the kind of the IAAF went around this uh, and this is their new approach. It seemed like what we heard at the time was to try to encourage people to race more. Well, kind of the ranking system has, you know, based on the event, you have to do, you know, it's the average of your score based on time and place uh, for X number of races. That number of races depends on the distance. So, you know, it's more for the shorter stuff. It's you know, only two for the marathon. Um, but the, the, the problem with that is I don't think they're really accomplishing that. I don't think that any of the the total number of races you have to do for any event is really that much more than what people are already doing. Yeah. And then with the added weight to the time in this ranking system compared to just going out and racing people, uh, I think that's going to add to some more, maybe just working together and, and chasing fast times, which is another kind of conversation to have. Like, do you, are you a guy that just, you know, all about just the racing mentality or do you like to see people chase the clock or a little bit of both or what kind of, where do you stand there? Cause I know there's two different facets. Yeah. I, I like the racer. Yeah. I, I would love to like cheer for the guy who just competes and either maybe, yeah, maybe finishes first or second, but doesn't have the fastest time in the U S or the fastest time in their respective country. But yeah, the racer is definitely someone that the crowd wants to cheer for. Um, but with this new, new rule or standards um, it's going to make it more of a time trial event yeah in, in a lot of them so it's going to be it's going to be interesting and it'd be more interesting right now is like talk about hypotheticals because there's going to be a million of different hypotheticals <laughs> right uh, we have like the best 1500 guys that hypothetically won't make the team yeah because they have to race tactically or they have to race uh, as a time trial runner so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. It, um, I think there's so many diamond league races that go fast in like the 1500, like you're talking about. But it's sometimes hard for our third through fifth best uh, 1500 guys in the U.S. to get in. Surely, you know, Centro can can get in, or you know, if, if you know, if uh, Gregor knocks off a good 1500, like he might be able to get into some of those races. But it's hard to really say that everyone can get in these races where you're going to get pulled to a fast time uh, yeah. in some of these really quick, like Monaco type of a race. Um, and so I, I do think it adds a little bit of, you know, volatility in the, what the rankings will be. But I still think at the end of the day, we'll have three people in each event that's high enough in the rankings once they're kind of peeling out. Um, you know, the other countries, once they hit their three max, that will get in. Uh, but it, it, it just will add uncertainty around, okay, can you can you go do, you know, another race after the trials to improve your ranking? If you're in the marathon, can you go run a half somewhere? And, uh, you know, because you're not going to do another marathon, obviously, right. between the trials and the Olympics, but can you go 
bus to get half somewhere and and that moves you up if you previously weren't qualified and so we'll kind of end up back in that situation that I know we were in for a while in the 2000s uh on the track trials where guys were chasing times afterwards and frankly I'm still reading over the the documents myself to know if that's even possible (laughs) yeah I'm not fully clear on all of that but um yeah it also puts in perspective like a guy that's like eighth or ninth on the, the rankings in their respective country and they go to the trials or they go to the national championship and it's is it pointless for them to even compete if they know they're not going to get top three if they know they're not going to run a fast enough time like it's kind of yeah so kind of puts like some shadow (laughs) on them yeah so my my understanding is that it's still um and bottom line still get top three in the trials uh unless the u.s changes any of their qualification or the selection process and then at that point if you're you know third in the trials and you're only the eighth american guy as long as it keeps moving down the line on that ranking system then you should get in um so i yeah i think that the issue will be just not knowing going in like you said like obviously you still race to your best ability but you don't really know even okay if i get second and this is you know my breakthrough race and i haven't had a lot of other good performances uh is it even possible um yeah, and that's luckily we have that problem here in the states. But Fair. I'm sure this standard might cater to a lot of countries that uh, don't have that depth. So right. as, as long as those athletes get close or, or hit those standards, then then they can go automatically, um, rather than having a selection process, which some governing bodies do. So yeah, uh, there's definitely pros and cons to this entire new IWF standard. And my, uh, I guess, biggest um, question mark going into this is probably around the 10,000 uh, and the rankings around that now that the other big news out of the IAA, IAAF or that they're getting rid of the Diamond League 5,000 and 10,000. Well, they've pretty much gotten rid of the 10 yeah, by now. Anyway, I mean, every once in a while you see it at Brussels, but, I mean, it seems like Peyton Jordan's been the 10K race for the last you know, year or two. Um, so it's... If that's the case, who's going to be organizing some of these, you know, fast 10,000 or now even where the fast 5,000 is going to be in order to kind of get your ranking for that, that, uh, you know, that 10K spot in the Olympics? And does it um, forecast doom and gloom for the 10,000 in the Olympics going forward? Because I kind of feel like it does. Yeah, it does. I mean, you have Brisbane in the fall, I guess. Yeah. Down in, down south. Stanford, of course, uh, but yeah, it's going to come down to passionate like race directors that want yeah. fast times. They're just going to put some money into it and try to bring the best athletes, and it's just definitely going to push the grassroots uh, aspect. They do that good one in, in Europe as well, I think, with the where they night of the ten thousands or whatever, where they I think they have beer and people line the tracks and like you're running through a, a tent at one point. I don't know. It looks, yeah. it looks pretty wild when I watch this stream. So I think there will be. Uh, more things like that, that that prop up but then it's you know all about trying to get into those races when there's only a select few races uh to really cement that ranking you know that kind of i feel like adds a little bit of luck to the you know what the ranking ends up being as opposed to something where you race all the time like the 1500 yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting to see for sure and um, again, the 10,000 is not really new news. I, I, I feel like even every Olympic cycle, they might talk about potentially trimming down track events. And that's always been one that's at least been 
rumored, um, but the the surprise to me was just you know the five thousand and the Diamond League. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of good five thousand meter races, in, you know, in the last or in the history of the sport. Yeah. Uh, you know, even you know last year with Beret, you're running twelve forty two or twelve forty three, and and that Paris race a few years ago with a bunch of guys under twelve fifty. Like it's always, um, you know, those kind of uh, performances that we don't get to see very often coupled with like you and I said just those sprint finishes where you know it's, you know the one or two meets a year uh, where the, the best guys in the world will line up and still have seven guys in it with a lap to go and that's always you know really exciting and so it's it's, it's sad to to lose that and then you know it makes you wonder okay what's what's the future for the 5000 then yeah and why are they doing that because the 5k <laughs> is definitely the faster these guys are getting, it's more of a mid-distance event now. Yeah. And so it's exciting. It should be exciting for, like, a true track enthusiast, but I guess not for the uh, the networks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, is anyone, uh, any distance runner who's watched track meets over the years, it's hard to get through. Yeah. <laughs> commercial anything, breaks. Yeah, anything over a mile without having some commercial breaks, so. So, I mean, that's probably why they're kind of diluting or getting rid of the, uh, the 5 and 10. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. So I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I guess my kind of first level takeaway is not as concerned about the standards um, because of the ranking system, even though it will add a lot of confusion and around the trials. Uh, but the, the the Diamond League changes are are kind of weighing on me a little more in terms of the future of distance running uh, on the track. Okay, me it's. Uh... I think the standard was kind of a, a big shock to a lot of the community, so I think I'll go on that end and say that's kind of a shock and that's kind of not detrimental, but pretty challenging for a lot of those uh, 213, 212 individuals, 230 women who feel good enough in their own country or good enough in the States where they, they're elite or pr- professional. Uh, and now it's like, now this, the, the real standard is actually further away from what you actually can do, so... Yeah, which actually that's a good another thing I want to talk about. So, what's that going to do to the Olympic trials marathon standards in the future? Because I think those are probably going to change. Yeah, they're definitely going to change. I, I would say at least a minute on both ends. Yeah, uh, there's always rumors. That you go on any message board and then they're talking. Oh yeah, men's is going to be an even two fifteen or two eighteen, and women will be two forty or. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was already we had tighter standards before they came out with. I guess the lax standards, the last Olympic cycle, right? When all of a sudden... 2016. Right, yeah. 2016. 2018, and then they, they and shifted then, it to like, 2019. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, like, guess so, what? You guys can yeah, still Yeah, you guys are in. So uh, uh, a friend of mine, Connie Teague, uh, based out of Kansas City, and she had run like at, you know, 244, I don't know, something between the, you know, the old standard and the new standard to where, you know, she'd kind of been injured and not really trained that much anymore. And then all of a sudden it's like, She's in. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> all right. I'm a qualifier. I'm a few months out now. Like, yeah. Got to figure out how to pull together. So obviously, they. I don't think they'll have any qualms about making the standards harder again. Uh, you know, I. I think certainly I wouldn't be surprised if the men's came in like two sixteen or something, which is is hard because there's just, and especially in the marathon, there's such a long. I feel like, kind of, or a such a learning curve after college to really nail a marathon to where guys are going to be really discouraged if they're not at a, already at a professional level coming out of college. 
Yeah. Well, what's the incentive of of someone to run two twenty? Right. Mean, it's either make it to the Olympic trials or I guess you have Boston qualifier or like those other incentives at like at the majors like right. American Development or automatic entry to New York. And most people don't aren't aware of those, and I don't know if they get they feel any validation from hitting those times, but the yeah. ultimate time, of course, is putting the Olympic in front of anything. So right. Olympic trials is a huge deal for that hometown individual. So Right. Well, and you also don't know up coming out of college, and if you run the 5,000 for you know eight years in high school and college, maybe a couple 10,000s here or there, you don't really know what 216 means. Yeah. I mean, you, you can look at all kinds of tables and conversions and things like that, but... You probably won't knock your first marathon out of the park. I know a lot of people have success in their first one, but you know it can just be give it a go. You know, three six months after college, and and you know you don't really run what you're gonna be capable of because you're 22, 23 years old running your first marathon, and then all of a sudden, whatever the new standard is, it just seems out of your grasp, and there's just so much more incentive to okay, let's just go start my career now and do yeah. other things. So. Uh, I don't think that will help the depth of uh, the American distance running uh, community, but it, it would be nice to kind of understand what the USATF wants. Do they want to develop runners, and then as well as parallel the uh, the top Americans to like make and win Olympic medals, or do they just want like mass participation? So yeah. it's yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of sit down with someone. <laughs> actually talk about that yeah and then the last piece is I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if the half standard goes away altogether and i'd know that the half is still a race from that will factor into your marathon ranking but if it's not you know really helping contribute that much to making you eligible for world championships in the olympics then that's there's no point it's hard for them to justify like why were we even why would we let some guy come do his debut at like the U.S. Champs or the Olympic Trials or something like that when, you know, his his, his performances aren't you know no matter what he runs here it's not going to be good enough so you know things like that that um, kind of the first thoughts in my mind after reading the news this week. Yeah, I, I missed the uh, the old two twenty two twenty two. What was it when you qualified? It was two nineteen. Two nineteen. Yeah. Oh. So I guess. That was hard. <laughs> This was hard. <laughs> if they could just keep like weakening it as you get older, then yeah, that'd be that'd perfect. Be just get more participation. <laughs> All right, Jesse, let's get uh, you know, it's one month and one day away from the Boston Marathon. Oh God. I, I know. I I usually feel the same way as we're leading into races when people say how not far away it is. So you know, up to this point, kind of give me a, an update of how training's been recently, and then I'll ask some some more pointed questions. Well, in my mind, training's been going well. But if you talk to any of my students and they ask me if I'm going to win the race, and I tell them no, then I'm a complete failure. So I guess things are going shitty. <laughs> Um, but no, things have been going really well. I've been healthy, uh, been able to balance life, work, training. Uh, I hit my first 100 mile a week in probably the last five years. Um, and then, so I got about 200 mile weeks in this segment of this training cycle. Uh, 
some pretty good workouts. It's been a little challenging for some workouts though, because just because of the wind. Right. Um, or I decide to go on like a hilly tempo run or just a challenging course, and the the watch doesn't always tell you what you want to see, but I just feel good about it, so that's fine. Um, just trying to recover and lift and go to the gym and eat healthy and so things have been going pretty well yeah I can't really I don't really feel much nagging anywhere yet knock on wood uh, so let's just hope things kind of hold together for the next uh, what would you say four weeks uh, one month and one day so yeah. a little over four weeks yeah so let's hope it holds together so in terms of workouts that you've done what's the you know, one or two that you point at the most and, and say, all right, after I did this, I came away with a lot more confidence than I had kind of going into it. Um, right now, maybe like repeat miles or or uh, some like tempo repeats. Those have kind of given me some pretty good confidence, like hitting some quicker times there. Um, in the past, I've been able to hit like two big workouts a week, um, but now I'm just getting older just need more time to recover. It's usually just been one workout a week, or maybe trickle in a little bit of uh, a little bit of strength or speed into another workout. So it's like one and a half a week. Right. I know a lot of times you'll add some upbeat stuff into your long runs, right? Yeah. So a little little adaptation from uh, from the past. I've been doing a lot of Jack Daniel stuff, and that's when I I feel like I got in the best shape of my life. Um, um, then, like, with injuries throughout the years, uh, just trying to get more confident in my running and not pushing it too much, finally settled into adding in some workouts and just reading about Tom, uh, what is his name? Schwartz. Yeah, Tom Schwartz, Tin Man. Yeah. They do, like, a lot of mile on, mile off in their long runs, so I've been kind of dabbling with that, and it's seemed to kind of freshen up the legs a little bit in that long run, so, and break it down a little bit. Yeah, I think... Uh, from what I've read from Tom, what I've seen from some of his athletes, a lot of it is, uh, you know, don't don't go all the way into the well, especially not yeah. frequently. You know, maybe every once in a while, every couple of months, you can have one where you really bury yourself. But it's, you know, keep keep the ball rolling. Type That's what of I was stuff. gonna say. Yeah, he's yeah. always just keeping the ball rolling, or yeah, because athletes definitely believe that a lot. So just staying consistent, I think, is is the key thing that he's trying to convey. And so. Especially once you get old like us. Yeah, <laughs> once you get that three. You don't, get the, <laughs> you don't recover in between the you know the workouts, the hard days, as much as you used to. Yeah, so that's good. And then um, not much racing this cycle. Spring is kind of hard to find any race, or winter for that matter. Yeah. It's kind of hard to find any races. We, we went out to Phoenix, had a good little race. Right, Erlene? Yep. <laughs> Uh, it was a good little 15K. Saw a teammate of mine who said he wasn't in shape and ends up running like 46.50 for a 15K. So. Yeah, so <laughs> a teammate of yours, he run for Rabbit or is it an old teammate or how do you it know? It was a college, uh, college roommate back at Cal State San Marcos. Okay. His name is Mike Crouch. Okay. Uh, he was a great runner. Maybe we can get him on the podcast sometime, but his accolade <laughs> was like 13.42, I believe, for the 5K. Got it. And a multiple time NCAA 2 champ, but... Yeah, it was good to kind of chase him down and got a PR in the open 15K because definitely had it faster 15Ks en route to like a half, but right. never uh, in that open 15K. So that was, that was a good little confidence booster and moving forward, just staying healthy. And I feel like it's always easy to talk about you know, the highlights 
and people shy away from talking about the low lights, but it's important because every runner goes through them. Yeah. So in terms of maybe your worst workout during the cycle, can you remember what it would have been? Yeah, I think some of the workouts, um, maybe not worse, but like just kind of not bailing, but just cutting it just a little short or just tweaking something here or there. Just yeah. saying like, I can't quite do it or I'd convince myself, oh, I don't really need to do eight mile tempo. I'll just do like a six mile tempo. Yeah. Um, which is like quintessential to my entire program. It's always like six miles of volume a week, which is not much for a marathoner, but it seems to be enough for this, this old man. Yeah. It's definitely something that's interesting as you transition from a, a program to being an adult and training and, and self-coached uh, where it's it's easier to avoid injuries because I feel like you, you know when you don't have it and you need to dial it back, but at the same time, you know, maybe there's times where if, if you were forced to keep doing a workout, you know, maybe you benefit from it. I'm not yeah. saying, I mean, I'd say more often than not, it's the <laughs> right call to, to adjust things, but at the same time, like you, you don't want to fall into that trap of like every time, like with no accountability where you just kind of, hold it off but that's where it's always those races in the future that keep you motivated keep you hungry and the training group like we have here that can kind of keep you really pushing yourself uh in those opportunities when you're not feeling your best yeah yeah so to flip it if that's okay yeah the motivation factor that you're talking about um because i remember you just on the whim just jumped into a marathon here in Albuquerque to run a Boston qualifiers. <laughs> so what motivated you to do that? So that way you could join the crew maybe because we had a pretty, we, we have a big crew going to Boston. So yeah, it's, in, it was interesting. Uh, like, you know, last fall, uh, you know, we kind of started the communication around who wants to go out there and, and I'm always up for a weekend getaway and something fun like that. Uh, regardless, I have done Boston a couple of times and I haven't ever had a good race there. And I was kind of looking forward to just going out there and doing the 5,000 and, and, um, cheering for people because, you know, I had kind of a bad break in my, my spring marathon last year where, uh, veered off course and, yeah. and then, uh, you know, my fall one was Chicago, which was after all the deadlines. And then, you know, how runners are kind of our mindset is after a while of seeing the messages and thinking about it more, I, I just was starting to get a little envious and it just happened to be that they had that, uh, down mountain uh, race <laughs> uh, races a, a very um, liberal use of that term it wasn't much of a race down mountain survival fest uh, here in town I was like what's in my backyard it's like the last day I can get a qualifier why not just go do it because you know it was a few weeks after Chicago I, I wasn't in great shape but I was certainly in good enough shape in, in my mind to, to qualify uh, and, and then see what happens little did I know uh, kind of what that would bring because you know you start at 10,000 feet and I feel like I'm good at downhills but this isn't really downhill this is a little too steep of a grade I feel like at least the first half to be yeah you needed a parachute 
Tip-offs. Yeah, to be <laughs> beneficial to running. First of all, you can't really, I mean, for me, coming from sea level and only living here a year, I don't breathe great at 10,000 feet. It's it's not my strength. But you're going downhill anyway, and I'm not really working. All I'm doing is breaking every step. So you're, I was running anywhere from 555 to 605 miles, just looking around at people like, this is, this is so stupid. Like, why <laughs> would this even count? Uh, and then you know you have to run a, a mile that's all the way uphill when you're still at 8,000 feet elevation I run like 730 <laughs> and then you come back down and, and and you know started getting back down at, you know six flats again until you know somewhere until the half when I, I think in terms of a fast course I think if you did that the half for that race that just starts at the halfway point and goes to the finish where it's not as steep that would be really fast but by that point um, somewhere around 15 miles, my legs just said... Your legs are trash. Yeah, it, and it's just... It, how suddenly it happened was strange, and it's different than any other marathon feeling because you, you haven't been... You really haven't been working that hard, like, in terms of what you normally think of as work in running, <laughs> like, actually, like, propelling yourself. Um, but you have been flexing your quads a whole hell of a lot going down that mile just every time you hit the ground, just breaking. And so legs gave out, and you never want to be doing the math uh, 10 miles out from a marathon finish, but that's what I was doing. I think my splits ended up being 121, 138. So, yeah, it was 259. So qualified by like 12 seconds, um, and <laughs> I didn't ever think it was going to be that close. Uh, and then was you know was injured after that because I wasn't really prepared for any type of, you know, downhill race for that long. Uh, and then dropped out of Boston, started getting back into it, and that kind of leads us to my Boston build-up, I suppose, where um, where it's not great. It's not great, if I'm being honest. Uh, we uh, Well, before you talk about what's not great, yeah. uh, it you did have some pretty decent training and had some good motivation and then you can talk about uh what what's been this like <laughs> thorn in the foot type so to say yeah it's 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 weird i think since college i haven't had a lot of injury problems so that that down mountain marathon was was one of them but then once i got back i was excited i was fired up frankly winter is my favorite time of the year to train especially living in albuquerque it's it's i mean it's it's great here um, I really like training in the cold, uh, being a, a bigger guy. And so, you know, I was, I was really looking forward to it. December was great. Kind of went on vacation, slacked a little bit, but started getting it back together in January. Then same time, okay, I'm taking advantage of the things of living here now. Let's go skiing, kind of have some little tweaks here and there. And so that, you know, was little stuff, but still... It's a learning curve. Yeah. Still just trying to balance everything as, as you're trying to do as a, just a semi-runner that I am in my 30s and and uh you know still was I think moving in the right direction uh had a couple workouts that I couldn't quite figure out in February why things are going wrong had that you know that one race back home where I couldn't quite figure out what was wrong but uh still I think things were trending in the right direction and and you you never as as bad as your worst workouts but you're every bit as good as your best workouts is something I've always told people I've coached like you can't you can't think that you know anytime you just bomb out that you know that's indicative of your fitness like it's that's not really how running works um 
And so there's a lot of encouraging things. And so then, you know, you go to Austin while you're, you know, you're running your, you know, your flat or I guess your, your open 15 K PR and, uh, and, and why were you and winning, winning this, um, person's weight full of beer that I'm helping you drink right now because you're uh, deep in training. But I was in Boston for a bachelor party of, uh, a friend of our mutual friend here in, in Albuquerque and uh, as bachelor parties tend to do uh, you know got a little you know got a little boozy um, got a little of you know one upsmanship almost I would say of just you know let's try to you know try to make sure this is a great time I'd never been to Austin before it was an incredible place to visit i think if it was a little bit nicer weather i didn't know it could be like 40 and raining in austin <laughs> um but we had you know we had a great weekend i won't get into too many of the salacious details but um after kind of going out on the town saturday night and sleeping a few hours i really needed to uh have some hair of the dog on sunday and so kind of started early and uh, by the time people were kind of leaving town and, you know, Sal, Zach, and I, that you know, the three Albuquerque guys that were there, <laughs> uh, we had a very, 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 very unfortunately late flight um, because we were worried about the situation we'd be in. And we had just stopped off at a, at a ping pong bar, which was a lot of fun. You play ping pong? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm part Asian, so. <laughs> that's true. I feel like you... <laughs> You're born with the paddle in your hand. Um, and, not, not that good, though. Yeah. Uh, and then Zach and I lost uh, our, our doubles game after, you know, just been us kind of rotating. And we had some some female challengers that, that came and were talking shit to us. And we're like, all right, we got to, you know, put them in their place. But the, I don't want to get into whose fault it was that we lost. is is probably mostly mine. <laughs> uh, and they were, you know, like... These girls are basically making out between points. I feel like there's distractions. I, I, I'm not gonna just say that they're better players than us, but end of the story was we lost, and then needed to go get food, and uh, so we hopped on a, a common scooter pur- purveyor uh, in big cities, which we don't have them yet here, mm-hmm. um, and I won't say their name because uh, I'm sure they're they you know I don't I don't blame them at all, even though the instructions were rubbed off of mine. Um, but it's, uh, you it's, guys had helmets, of course, uh, of course, it's a citrus fruit that, um, that you would, you would have with margaritas is the name of, uh, <laughs> the company. But so, uh, our, our friend Sal didn't really tell Zachariah how to use one of these things. Cause he's the only one he'd used one before. And it's not quite as simple as just standing on it and pushing a lever. It's not much harder than that, but it is, <laughs> there's one step I was missing. Long story short. Zach almost got cleaned by a car kind of coming through a cross section and then I was trying to catch up after finally figuring it out and uh, Cadillac's uh, one of those saloon cars uh, like I think CTS CTSV or something okay. was going the same direction as me had passed me was turning right uh, whereas I thought being in a city a downtown where they're familiar with these kind of shenanigans that they would always be like paranoid about you know scooters buzzing around yeah and hitting them this guy didn't didn't give two thoughts about me, <laughs> so uh, so I hadn't slowed down much and and had to find a way to stop without running into this very nice Cadillac and uh, had stepped off and uh, you know somehow planted uh, poorly and uh, hurt my ankle 
at the time didn't seem like a big deal. I, I grew up skateboarding and, and, you know, you have those things and, and the small setbacks. And the funny thing was going into that day, you know, we had done maybe 10 miles on Saturday. We we're going to do a long run on Sunday. And I felt guilty about just actually skipping the long run on Sunday. Little did I know that now we're uh, 11 days removed and I, I ran three miles yesterday. It was the first time I was able to try to run, uh, I guess, since the incident and it was still uh, very painful. I couldn't run again today. So if you could describe like the size of the ankle. Yeah. It, so that's the <laughs> grapefruit. <laughs> I would say, um, oh man, uh, maybe a Bartlett pear. Okay. <laughs> Um, and completely rotten purple. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's normally that color anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 weird because I have had I feel like just those those inversion sprains before where you just kind of roll it over the side and yeah, it's uh, fine as long as there's no snap. It's right, fine. and it's usually yeah, and you even I feel like when I've strained or maybe even torn some ligaments on the outside and had far worse bruising. I and I have bruising now, but I've had more discoloration where it was all on the side and it wasn't really a long-term thing but i can't pinpoint exactly how the what joint did what incorrectly <laughs> um because again i shouldn't have been on the scooter in the first place because i had too many uh, soda pops but uh it's just it sounds like being on the scooter was fine you just you shouldn't have gotten off the scooter while it was moving that's true i should have <laughs> just ran straight into that caddy <laughs> <laughs> At probably the Waffen speed of like 12 miles an hour. Yeah, I, I would guess, get, it was 14 and a half. Give me okay. some uh, I think after seeing Zach almost die, I was a little bit more shell-shocked. Yeah. Um, and Sal was already basically at the place ordering wings because he didn't sure. care about us at all. He was, yeah, had, had, had no, um, no remorse about our safety. Uh, so it's it's not it hasn't looked worse. Now, granted, it's it's swollen and ugly and and it's not good, but it's more of like there's even some Achilles pain from the swelling, and it's it's not just all that localized kind of outer um, yeah. swelling that that I've had in some previous ankle sprains. So uh, it's been it's been a tough week week and a half coming to terms with that. Um, I don't think initially I thought it was going to be that bad, probably because I had um, some liquid anesthesia at the time but it's and it's it's becoming more and more that i'm starting to accept that that boston might be going from a maybe a a a, a goal that i'm not quite happy with to you know, maybe well, it doesn't whole, make sense yeah. anymore <laughs> well i i think within our team and within the community here in albuquerque there's definitely a lot of professionals that could are willing to help treat or at least look at it and then maybe get you back on the mend uh so that way, at least you're sane enough to be physically active. Sure, I I think um, I think I could still get to a place where I could finish uh, by by Boston. I mean, if you went down a giant freaking ten thousand foot mountain <laughs> just to get there, I think uh, I think we're all behind you to try to get you healthy and at least wanting to be on the line and just maybe give give your best. Yeah, well, I appreciate that uh, and. We'll see what the, the, the upcoming things bring. Uh, you know, maybe I'll go out there and since Boston has been unkind to me in the past, maybe I'll just run lights out and surprise myself. Or, you know, maybe you'll see me with my shirt off on Heartbreak Hill, <laughs> screaming yeah. at you and chugging a couple beers. Sounds good.
man, big weekend last weekend. Somos. <laughs> Somos Unidos. Somos Unidos. Uh, monumental for Albuquerque, professional soccer. Would you uh, give me your thoughts? Uh, well, since you introduced me to them, like in October, <laughs> it was no, it was a big hype uh, since October. Since I knew about the team being uh, brought to New Mexico or brought to Albuquerque, it was a pretty big deal. Uh, we don't have a professional team. Uh, I guess the isotopes being AAA is pretty close to or the closest thing we have. But soccer's always been fun. It's always been neat uh, to see, and this community is just huge on on soccer. So. Having New Mexico United uh, was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, you had to be there for sure. March 9th was the inaugural game. Uh, there's been so much hype with it, and then it, it definitely lived up to the hype. Uh, players did awesome. Fans were insane. Uh, it was just, it was fun. It was really fun. <laughs> what, what would you think? I mean, we, we'll talk more, of course, but yeah, your I'm, initial thoughts. I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that way. Uh, I know... During the game, or maybe leading up to the game, you're like, I don't, I don't really know how this will compare. Like Kansas City has to be so much crazier, and I mean Kansas City. I think I, I told you the time, like it's, you know, we've been doing it for longer, so it's like more organized. I was, I mean, I was blown away, like the, the what the the curse was doing, like in terms of rallying everybody, the, the long march at the start of the game with, the, you know, getting everyone flags, even though we didn't go in the stadium. Yeah. Until, until basically the game started. Um, the excitement there, which I guess, you know, part of it is being, you know, the first game ever. So we'll see how some of the other weekend games stack up to that. But, um, you know, there, there are little things I feel like that are, that are just a little smoother at, uh, most of the Sporting Kansas City MLS games. But man, that was, I mean, that blew me away. I couldn't, I couldn't believe, um, just how well run it was, uh, how, passionate that supporter section was. I mean, that, that was so much fun. Like, that was awesome. I mean, that was every bit as fun as any, any cauldron, uh, like, Big game college. I've been at. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, I, I, I loved it. I had so much fun. Um, and I'm excited for what this future brings. You know, it's, it's hard, it's hard to be an expansion team. You know, who knows how this first season goes, but we, I mean, Big Dad with that huge goal. Uh, I mean, we, we have a lot of talent. <laughs> Um and yeah, right now uh, I'm a lot. Of, I'm really excited about both what management's doing, uh, and um, just what the community involvement is. And I think you know, even if it doesn't, you know, even if we're not world beaters this year, I think we'll be very, very competitive. I think we'll see a lot of good games, and I think they're doing everything the right way to really build a strong program. Yeah, and you kind of hit it on the head, like the amount of fans and the amount of people that were there. It's just you say culture and everyone in New Mexico is just behind it like oh with so much pride like we have culture we have culture we we want to be behind that we want to support this we want to support that this is who we are and so now having uh, New Mexico United as a team kind of representing the culture and representing the state uh, you're going to get a huge fan base and it definitely turned out to be a huge uh, huge showing on, on that day and even leading up to it. I mean the, the owner of the team, he's not even from New Mexico. I mean, he, right. he's rooted here now, uh, so he, he's passionate about it. Um, there's multiple silent owners behind it. I mean, and, of course, in New Mexico, it's always like 
uh, a power of three or a power of two. Like you'll know someone who knows someone else. And so like everyone knows who these owners are. We've met them multiple times and they are just so genuine and caring and just want to see, see the team and see the community just kind of unite together and kind of be pushed and propelled forward and, and, uh, and promote the, the great sport of soccer and so, and especially within soccer itself there's MLS which which you're beyond familiar with and then this is the new league that we're part of which is USL the United Soccer League it's it's a small it's a division 2 it's a minor league basically but it uh it's been growing like crazy throughout the entire country and it, their marketing aspect or the, the way they approach things is really getting a lot of the fans behind it and it's it, it proved itself when we went to the game it's it supports every single franchise within the league so it's it's just a great thing to kind of see and, and promote so i don't know there's it seems like there's like a, a glass ceiling just it's gonna break and great things will happen yeah i i don't want to sit here and, and you know top my hometown team because i'm very passionate about what we're building here and the thing is you know in those usl i mean they Unlike a lot of other sports, you know, they get to play MLS teams. And, you know, every year in the Open Cup, there are USL teams knocking off MLS teams. You know, what what I would say from watching it, there's so much parity in a lot of the American leagues. Are the top, you know, five or six MLS teams a little bit separated and less, you know, likely to lose to some of these USL teams? Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, USL teams can absolutely battle with, you know, a lot of those kind of lower to mid-tier MLS teams on any given day. And that's yeah. you know, one of the beautiful things about soccer as opposed to, like, our sport and running where, you know, the better team running, you know, pretty much wins you know, 98 <laughs> times out of 100 or something yeah. like that. In soccer, it's not, you know, it's not always like that. You know, we were watching a game earlier where, you know, one team is clearly dominant, but they just, you know, if you can't finish, you know, then, then you can't finish. And sometimes, you know, they can pour them on at the end of the game. Thank goodness, but uh, <laughs> but but there's just you know it adds for a lot of drama, and I you know I think um, we have, like I said, we have we have a lot of talent, and you know it's not one of those things where they just wanted a token team here. You know, Peter is doing the right things to bring in Troy, bring in you know a lot of players that have roots here, which I thought was great. Uh, yeah, guys that, yeah, the international players that they want to bring in, and then guys coming maybe coming down from MLS mm-hmm. we're picking up and it's just it's not just they those guys are like falling out of their stride within within their contract or within MLS it's just maybe the the management sees that and is pulling those guys in and wants them to start something new here in, in New Mexico and starting this new a new club so yeah it seems cool so uh, I'm not going to just you know blow smoke up their ass here today I'm, I, I I will do the compliment sandwich also I'll say a couple <laughs> We've you know said a lot of nice things and it was incredible. I know it was by far one of my favorite days in Albuquerque in a long time. Uh, a, just a couple of things, um, and I don't know what the average attendance is for the Isotopes games. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned that, but we play in Isotopes Park. Um, obviously, <laughs> second half I was gone for a large majority of it. Yeah, yeah. I left. Where just were you? <laughs> Uh, I, I, know, was, I know where you were. Right, I was in the bathroom. Then I was one concession line that only took cash, and then I was another concession line that actually took cards. Um, and granted, I'm sure they aren't used to 12,000 people or they didn't think 12,000 people would show up for, uh, you know, a USL game. You know, that was something that could certainly improve. 
And then in terms of the team on the field, I love our game plan. I love everything about it. I didn't even know, actually, before getting here that, like, field sizes can differ, or can differ and it's not, like, a full regulation size field. Yeah, I didn't which, know that either because I thought it had to be, like, a regular Right, field. which and is... They said Isotopes Park, our field size was, right? Uh, I, or, I don't know. People, when we were at, like, the, you know, the chalk talk with Coach before... You know, where he's kind of giving us the the strategy going in the game. They made it sound like it was small. It looks smaller, certainly. It did. Um, so I don't think it's you know the normal size, uh, which is also an interesting thing. But it, it it just kind of adds to a lot of the excitement having the home games here because I think there'll be a lot of scoring opportunities for both sides. Um, the one thing that worried me, like getting in there, every set piece. I don't know if it's because Fresno is tall or we're short. They, <laughs> yeah, they're big. All their guys, all their guys were like three inches taller than ours. Which is not like the end-all be-all in soccer, but usually try to have like a mix of a little bit of both. I swear every guy that was marking us had at least a half a foot. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, you know, you one on one those guys, they were big. Right. I, I didn't ever have the feeling like uh, we could swing a ball in on, on a free kick or on a corner and some guy would catch a header to get <laughs> the goal. Um, which, you know, obviously it's not the only way to score. There's a lot of successful team, a lot of successful players especially that that are, you know, not, not giants. But uh, those are kind of my, my reservations. That one's just, you know, it is what it is. The other one is I'm sure uh, the stadium can improve and, and, and or, you know, we'll just see what, what happens with the service going forward. But um, those are very two small takeaways that were um, rooms for improvement, let's say. I don't, I don't know. You see anything where we could have done better? Uh, I don't know if we can uh, make our guys bigger, <laughs> like, <laughs> taller, but... I, I think they are well conditioned. Uh, yeah, watching them out there, they they definitely move better. They were on their toes and willing to be aggressive, which I think is what Troy kind of wanted them to be. Uh, from like you said, our little secret meeting that we had. Uh, <laughs> we basically text each other. It's just yeah, you know, we just yeah. have a straight line to straight New Mexico United. Straight text. Um, improvements would would definitely be just continue to be aggressive and trying to finish off. Yeah. Uh, plays and and touches, but it's, I mean, I don't know. Fresno didn't make the playoffs last year, from what I gathered, and so if we want to be a playoff contender, I think we need to beat teams that aren't in that bracket. Yeah, that's kind of the common thing with soccer. They, I think, they're around the same quality of team as us. I think in the preseason rankings, they were around twenty first or around seventeenth or eighteenth, so very close. But you know, when you have those and you're at home, those are ones you kind of want to win. Like you. So you shoot for draws on the road and wins at home. And, um, you know, especially that great goal from Devin, uh, you know, in the first half, you, you know, you try to preserve that. But these are all, you know, just, li- just, li- yeah, just little, little, little things compared to, man, that march going to the <laughs> yeah. stadium. That was crazy. That was, was, was absolutely crazy. crazy. Um, and then what about the smoke? Yeah. The smoke after a goal? Yeah. Oh, and the excitement and the roar after the, the first goal. I mean, yeah. if we had three goals... That stadium would have been torn apart. <laughs> right. Which is, like, why I'm excited for the city. Because, uh, I guess now, now like, moving to a new city and trying to entrench myself in it. I, I, you know, I've been to Isotopes games. Um, I've been to a few games at the pit. Um, you, don't get, you don't get a lot of beer spilled on you in baseball games, certainly. None. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it's just, you know, some guy trying to, I don't know, go to the bathroom who's too <laughs> hammered and, and falls down the stadium. Uh and uh, the, you know the pit seems a little more raucous, but and that's what I'm familiar with. When we, what we experienced in this soccer stadium, where as soon as we scored, 
like I was just showered and I didn't care because everyone's jumping and high fiving and it's just. But I think you know there's a lot of um, reasonable um, complaints about soccer as a sport in America to where you know some people embellish on fouls, some people waste time, things like that. But because there are fewer goals, those goals are just like magnified in terms of excitement. So yeah, like when that, celebrated that much more. Right when that happened, I mean we went fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was. I mean it was it was great. And then going back to the grassroots movement. I mean the fact that we had to get um, you know a notice that um, some some cheer that. You Maybe know, we did. I'm not sure. I may have partaken it, but I mean, it just started like I mean, there's a grassroots cheer that started that was you know too too vulgar to to continue going forward, um, and you know that's I mean that's just how passionate I think that the city is going to be behind the team to you know where there's there's screaming uh, <laughs> you know, Spanish Spanish obscenities <laughs> every time there's a goal kick and you know the official. <laughs> Supporters group has to say, "Hey, let's maybe let's maybe not do that because yeah. there's ball boys like lining the in line, children here. <laughs> in, in the area that we have to kind of tone it down a little." Yeah, but that energy is is definitely a New Mexican pride thing, and that's that's something that is going to be carried forward. So yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah, and again, I, I feel like I do that. <laughs> I do that probably going in just from living here for a year. Um, the big surprises for me, and the and the big things that. Um, really make me optimistic about the future are the way the team's operating. I mean, as soon as we showed up and was walking down the seats, you know, Peter, Peter the owner, was yeah, he's like in the, down, he's yeah, in the supporter section. Down the supporter section, like talking to people trenches. and like, yeah, <laughs> shaking hands, you know, and then, you know, Troy, Troy having us out and talking uh, through the their game plan and, their, you know, showing us some tape on, on the opponent going That's in. Secret. And, yeah, yeah, secret. I mean, people know we're looking at tape when we're yeah. when they're like, "Hey, we're going to you know see a power." Like, you can't see the PowerPoint, but you know there's a PowerPoint on the opponent that we're looking at. But it's it's like good parenting. Like you can read everything you want, um, but it doesn't really matter. It's it's the fact that you want to be a good parent. And so, with Troy, with the management, what the owners want is they want it to be a good club. They want it to be a good representation of the city. So. It doesn't matter how they're trying to make it happen. They they want it, and so exposing the supporters, exposing the fans, expo- exposing the community is is a huge step. So, yeah. and it's, I mean, to draw a parallel to the MLS uh, and take a a little shot at uh, your hometown team here. I mean, Galaxy was, was unbelievable in the initiation of the MLS. The last. Um, eight years or so, I feel like they've gotten away from kind of that grassroots community involvement thing and they're just going out and they'll spend a lot of money and get good guys. I mean, you know, they had Beckham for a while, you know, they had um, Robbie Keane, you know, they had, they had, um, you know, Donovan, obviously. They they were a great, they were a great roster. They weren't a great team. And I think we're doing uh, a great job of building a good team uh, the right way and having the pieces that fit together, that work really well together, uh, and have that chemistry. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to the season. I think, uh, you know, I think next next Wednesday uh, is the next home game. Is that right? Yeah, Wednesday's next Wednesday's home game, and then Saturday will be our away game against Phoenix Rising. Yeah, they're a big team. Tough team. That is MLS. Um, uh, they want to be MLS. So we're one of the best teams in the West, um, but it's a garbage 
Garbage City. So. Garbage, definitely <laughs> Garbage City. Which, I don't know, and this is obviously taking off topic a little bit, but, you know, uh, when I tell people I moved to Albuquerque and, you know, they, they don't have any sense of the size of cities and they think, like, same phase as Albuquerque and things <laughs> like that. But, you know, everybody, when they think of the Southwest, they think of, of Phoenix. And I'm like, man, I, I don't like Phoenix. I don't know. It's, I don't like it's it. Just, it's just a giant it's, suburb. Yeah, because we're, like, at least, we have the, the high desert climate. So, you know, we get that elevation to really uh, have some different climates. That is just, uh, it just bakes out there. <laughs> it's just, like, it's not high desert. It's just desert. It's just desert. And they had, I know they steal water from basically every, everywhere around there. But, man, I don't, I don't think they have a lot of, uh, they have a lot of people. Yeah, they do have a lot of people. That's, Probably better industry. Yep, that's but, right. But, but uh, I just don't feel like it has a lot of... Uh, I'm just trying to think how to no, explain not it. Not much culture. Yeah, not... Yeah. It's just a lot of transplant. So, I mean, their fans their fans are kind of loyal just because their team has done so well, but it's got to be a fair weather, yeah. fair weather team. So, hopefully the boys do well. Um, either way, they have New Mexico behind them. All right. What time are we showing up to tailgate next time? Earlier? Yeah, hopefully. Right, right when I get off. An hour, yeah. <laughs> hour and a half apparently wasn't enough, so we'll go <laughs> straight from work there. Yeah. All right, see ya.